Lord, thank you for <clears throat> this morning, just to be able to worship you. God, our, our heart and our eyes are put upon you and how great you are. And as we pray, Lord, we ask that you, we, we want to lift up Kathy to you. We ask for your healing. God, <clears throat> Lance, Kathy is part of our ohana here. And it's so important that, God, we pray together. We pray, Lord, as people of God, as the church ohana together to ask for your healing. God, I pray that this week we would see significant progress in her recovery, in her healing, Lord. That we would get news and reports that, wow, she's doing this, she's doing that. That you would bring her out, Lord, of this coma, Lord, and that she would actually be able to, to see, to respond, to talk, God. I believe she hears the prayers that are being made right there in the room. I believe she hears the voices even. But I pray that she would wake up, God, to see her family there. So we ask God for this. We, we, we pray in faith knowing that you are God, that you know our bodies through and through. And ultimately, God, we thank you for the doctors there. Thank you for her being in the best hospital I heard of all of Japan, God. Thank you for the incredible care that you're giving her, Lord. And I pray, God, even with all this, um, the surgery, with all the care, with all the treatment, Lord, we know behind it all, you are the one who heals, God. So you're our healing, God, and we look to you and ask for that. So we lift up Kathy to We ask in Jesus' name, God, by your power, Lord, that you would heal her, Lord, and uh, that you would bring her back here, Lord, soon, Lord, all whole, complete, and healed. God, I also want to pray for our, our study tonight or today, God. I pray that you would bless it, God, that your spirit would speak, Lord, that you would anoint this, Lord, as you anointed our time with you in worship, God, anoint your word. God, we don't want anything else but you, God. So fill us now with your spirit. Anoint this time and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Well, this morning, we are starting a new study in a new book. As you know, so many weeks ago, we finished the book of Second Peter finally. And, and um, I told you, well, next time, I'll let you know, you know. Uh, and it's been a while, I know. But through the course of time, through my time in um, California and a conference, God's really been putting on my heart to study through the book of Jonah. Jonah. So if you could turn to Jonah, the Jonah, the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. It's between Obadiah and Micah. If you went to like, um, let's see, Zephaniah, Zechariah, you went too far to the right. If you went to Daniel, you got to go to the right a little bit. You went too far to the late, to the left. It's after Amos, Obadiah. And there's a little book here, four chapters, the book of Jonah. And this morning, we're going to look at the whole first chapter, chapter one here. It, <clears throat> I'm I titled the message this morning, Heading the Wrong Way. Heading the Wrong Way. Now, you may be thinking, why study this? You know, <clears throat> why? This is a cakey church story, you know. Some of you grew up in, in church, know, oh yeah, I know Jonah. Yeah, I know this story. Jonah ran from God, got swallowed by a whale, learned his lesson, and then he went back to obeying God. And yes, that's what's in, in there. But let me tell you, there's, there's much more than that. Much for us to, to learn from his life, what goes through uh, these chapters here. Now, I'm going to take uh, four messages to do this. Last time we studied this, I did it in two. But I felt like we're going to go a little slower, take a chapter each week. And, well, we're going to, excuse the pun, we're going to dive deep. <laughs> we're going to dive deep into the book of Jonah. I like it. Yeah, you're laughing. You're smiling, right? Now, <clears throat> with this, I want to give you some subtitles to each chapter. I have a title for each chapter, and today it's Heading the Wrong Way. But the subtitle for today is The Prodigal Prophet. The Prodigal Prophet. Now, in chapter 2, we're going to see the praying prophet. When he finally comes to that breaking point, broken before the Lord, he actually starts praying inside the belly of 
that animal. And then chapter 3 is going to be the preaching prophet. He actually gets to his mission. And chapter 4 will be the pouting prophet. So we have the prodigal prophet, the praying prophet, the preaching prophet, and the pouting prophet. But today we're going to see how Jonah is heading the wrong way. He becomes the prodigal prophet. You know, a number of years ago, a family, true story, a number of years ago, and there's an article online about this, this family left Cardiff Airport in England to fly to their dream vacation, a five-star resort in the Canary Islands. Now, a lot of people in Europe go there. That, that's like their vacation spot. They're Hawaii. It's off the coast of Africa, off Morocco. That's kind of the area. So they, they uh, went to the airport, and they went to fly to this dream vacation in Canary Islands. But rather than traveling south west, southwest from their location, they ended up going southeast. And basically, you can say the opposite direction. They landed 2,000 miles now in the wrong place. When the plane landed, you know what they woke up to? They woke up to the flight attendant saying on the speaker system, welcome to Turkey. What happened was, see, the ticketing agent made a mistake. <laughs> they, she gave them, or this person gave them the wrong boarding passes. And since it was like super early in the morning, everyone was all sleepy. They're barely awake, took the passes, just went to whatever gate, didn't see where they were going, didn't check nothing. And when they boarded the plane, they went back asleep. And then that's what they woke up to. Welcome to Turkey crazy. Well, oops, yeah, there's a lesson to learn here, right? Double check your boarding passes, right? <clears throat> I had to, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to the wrong gate. You know, we had to turn around and go to a different gate when we were traveling, but make sure, right, that you're heading in the right direction. But here's the thing, it's not just boarding passes we're supposed to check, right? We need to ask ourselves, are you spiritually heading in the wrong, right or wrong direction. Where are you heading in life? What direction is that? Is, is it what God wants? Some people, though, they deliberately choose the opposite things of what God wants. Well, today, that's exactly Jonah here. That's exactly what he does. He is spiritually, he is physically, he literally is heading the wrong way. This is Jonah, chapter 1 here, the book of Jonah, the, the prodigal prophet. Again, the title of our message, Heading the Wrong Way, the Prodigal Prophet. Now, we're going to see four things here in this chapter, and this is our outline. Number one, the message from the Lord. Number two, the message from Jonah. Number three, the message of the storm. And number four, the message of the fish. So four things we're going to see here. Let's look at our first thing. Number one in our outline is the message from the Lord. The message from the Lord. Now we're going to be looking at verse 1 and 2 in this section. We're going to be covering that. So the book of Jonah, here we go. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It reads here, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil is come up before me. If you're wondering what version I'm reading, it's the ESV. I use the ESV in our study here. So here we begin the book of Jonah. But interesting thing, the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1, begins with this three-letter word, now. The word, it begins, see this, now the word of the Lord came, now, which, which gives us this feel like we're coming into the middle of some story, right? Now, like we're going on in a story. Now, actually, all the books of our Bible tell a story, right? It tells a continuing story. Overall, the book of the Bible is a story of 
God's redemption, right? God's salvation. How he saves us sinners. How he saves not the, so much the good, because we're all sinners, but we need saving. We're sinners, and this is what the Bible overall is about. It's about Jesus Christ, how God ends up sending, prophesying about Jesus, and sending Jesus so we can be saved by his death on the cross. And we have power now because of his resurrection to live the life that he wants us to live. So when we see the word now, yeah, it is a continuing story of God. And you know what we see here? Jonah, when it says now, it's this story of God's mercy and grace. That's what we're going to see. And it's a continual story, what we find in the Bible, of God's mercy and grace. So, in the book of Jonah, it continues the story of God's, you know what, patience against wayward sinners. So, we begin with now, and I love that word, it's rich there. It goes on and says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. So the word of the Lord, God sends this message now. We don't know how, it, was it a dream? We don't know, was it a vision? Did God just speak to him? I, I think God just came to him through the spirit speaking to him. So God sends this message. Now, the, the book is written in third person, but most believe that he is the author of this book because of details and things that are being said. So God sends this message. This is a message from the Lord, and he sends it to who? Well, it says here in verse 1, Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, this tells us, you guys, that Jonah is a real person. You know why? Because over in 2 Kings 14, uh, 25, it describes Jonah here. Actually, he's referenced there. Let me read it to you. It says, He restored the board of Israel from uh, Lebohamath as far as the Sea of Arabath, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant. Guess what? Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer. Gath Heifer's area of Galilee. So he's a Galilean. It's north of Nazareth. So we see Jonah referenced here in 2 Kings 14, 25. So Jonah is a real person. Let me tell you that. He is a real person. I mean, Jesus references him in the New Testament also. So with Jesus saying this, with us seeing this in 2 Kings 14, we know that what we're going to read is about a real person person and it's a real story it's not some fairy tale it's not some legend it's not a fish story right oh the fish was this big right it's not a whale tale at all it is in the bible matter of fact and the bible is what god's word and god's word is real and what is told here is about a real person jonah the prophet is a real person and this book of jonah understand this today is a real story you know what's interesting is Jewish tradition. They say that Jonah is the son of the widow of Zarephath. Zarephath. You remember, uh, she's the one where God provided that endless flour and oil during the famine. That jar of oil never went dry. And you remember when her son died, Elijah came and, and raised him from the dead? Well, well, that's First Kings 17, but that's, that's what Jewish tradition says, that actually Jonah was that son. We don't know for sure, but I think that's interesting. All right, verse 2 now. So here's the message from the Lord. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So here's the message. God is saying, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Get up, go to Nineveh. And go warn them. Call out to them. That means to proclaim, to announce. Go to them and let them know that their evil has come up. It's like the trash pile of their evil and wickedness has gone up. So it, the trash cans over, the rubbish cans overflowing so much that we got to do something about it. That's what God is saying. I, I, I see it. This is what's going on. Notice here that it says in verse 2, Arise and go, go to Nineveh, that great 
city. Great means that it was a big city. It was a giant city of that time. They say there was probably 600,000 to 700,000 people living in that city. And for that time, in the ancient time, that was, that was huge. It was known to be the biggest city at the time. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. If you know the Syrians, right? The, uh, they were the enemy of Israel. This city, they say, had walls that were 60 miles long. They were 100 feet high. There's 1,200 watchtowers on around the wall. They said the wall was so wide that you can race three chariots side by side all around it. So this was probably a wonder of the world. It's a great city. It's huge. It's the biggest in that time. And God's saying, call them out. Go, call them out. Go against them. Tell them about their sin. Tell them about their evil and wickedness. You know why? Because God's patience is coming to an end. So God wanted to give them one final warning. That's what God wanted to give them. Now, we understand this because if you want to turn a page in your Bible to Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Actually, we'll back up to verse 2. When Jonah finally gets, um, gets instructions again... We see the Lord telling, saying, verse 2, Arise, Jonah 3, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So then verse 4, skip down there. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So God wants Jonah to go to Nineveh and warn him, You guys got forty days, or judgment's coming. You guys got 40 days to turn from your sin and wickedness. Or you know what? I'm coming. I'm going to take care of this. So this is the message from the Lord. The message from the Lord was for Jonah to go warn Nineveh of the judgment to come. To warn Nineveh of the judgment to come. That's the message. Jonah, go warn Nineveh. That judgment is coming. Now, Nineveh, we understand from history, was pretty evil, pretty wicked. Probably the most wicked city and peoples, the Syrians, were, were really bad. Matter of fact, 100, almost 100 years later or so, a uh, couple books over in the book of Nahum, if you ever want to read about that, he was called by God to go and uh, prophesy toward them too. He talks about you guys take advantage of people. Uh, <clears throat> you're, you're into idolatry. They worship one of the gods was Dagon. If you remember, that was the fish god. I remember in Veggie Tales <laughs> on, the, on the story of this, right? They had a fish and everything. Anyway, weird things in my mind. But they're into immorality, witchcraft. But I'll tell you what history tells us. They are very famous for how, how brutal they were. They would give no mercy in times of war. No, no compassion, nothing. When they captured their enemies, history uh, tells us that they would burn their prisoners alive. That they would cut off their noses. That they cut off their, their, cut out their tongues. That they would, <clears throat> they would like peel their skin when they're alive. That, that's how cruel they were. They were brutal. Matter of fact, the Romans learned how to do crucifixion from the Syrians. They, Romans perfected crucifixion, but where did they first find that? The Syrians. And the Syrians would do a crucifixion that was the most wicked of all. They would impale an enemy and just have them uh, up there, impale. So you can see the stench has come up. The, the rubbish can is full. So the message from the Lord was for Jonah to go warn Nineveh of the judgment to come. To warn Nineveh of the judgment to come. You know what? <clears throat> Reading this, I was, I was thinking about how we know on October 7th, right? It's Israel's 9-11, right? <clears throat> it's Israel's Pearl Harbor. When the terrorist Hamas came in and killed uh, on that southern part of Israel, at the Gaza border, and killed, raped, maimed, beheaded, 
burned alive, did, did all kinds of atrocities, right? That's why they're in there now. That's why they're, they're going to weed out all, every single one of the Hamas terrorists. But you remember before they went into Gaza, what did they do? They flew over Gaza and dropped flyers, right? These leaflets on telling the civilians there to get out of northern Gaza, right? They said, get out because we're coming in. They warned them ahead of time that they're going to come in and get the Hamas terrorists. And they warned them that you don't want to be get caught up in them coming in. The fighting that's going to happen and you need to flee, go to the south. And remember, many were trying to go to the south. There, there was even a, a route that was made especially for the, for the uh, people in Gaza to go through, right? But what did the Hamas terrorists do? They stopped them at gunpoint. But we see how Israel, they could have just came in, right? They could have just come in, but they wanted to warn first. This is God here. God could have just came, wiped out Nineveh, right? You guys are so evil. You guys know better. You know what? <laughs> That's it. You're done. They could have another nation come and wipe them out. And they would, they would be gone. No more Assyrians. But <clears throat> God wanted to send Jonah first. What is that? God's mercy. God's grace. You know what, I, I was thinking about this, thinking how God is warning people today, aren't they? I mean, the, the very thing that's happening in the Middle East comes, what comes to our mind? Oh, we're about to go into the end times. Jesus, you're coming soon. The seven years of tribulation are, are going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to start soon. At the end of that, Jesus will come in judgment. The tribulation years are really God's wrath being poured upon the earth. Judgment. We're being warned right now. We've been talking about it. Today, it's like God is giving us a warning. And he's reaching out to everybody. Saved or not saved, believer or not. That, you know, we got to get things together. God is giving us mercy. God is giving us grace. The Lord is calling us with this message, with this passage that we're looking at today. Hey, it's time, you guys. Things are moving. Things are moving forward. Now, I don't know. Is it going to be next month that the rapture happens? Is it going to be next year? I don't know. There's going to be five years from now. But either way, I believe it's a warning for us. And think about this. God knows what's inside of us, right? I mean, you can, you can come Sunday and say, hey, praise the Lord, I worship God. But then during the week, what happens? Are you really following God? Are you giving in to temptation? What's inside your head and your heart? God knows all of that, right? He knows our thoughts. He knows our attention, intentions. He knows what we're doing, what, maybe what nobody else sees. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Here's the thing. God sees it all, yet he still desires for you to be saved. He still desires in giving you time, giving grace and mercy to repent. That's what he's doing with Nineveh. He knows it's come to his attention. He sees it. So he's calling Jonah to go and speak to him. Nineveh was heading the wrong way. So the Lord, he, his message was for Jonah to go warn Nineveh of the judgments to come. So <clears throat> this is the message from the Lord. Let's look at number two now. The message from Jonah. The message from Jonah. And here, just verse three. Just verse 3. Take a look with me now. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. It says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down in it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Isn't this interesting, right? <laughs> God told Jonah, what in verse 2? Arise. And so Jonah's like, okay. He got up. He arose. But not to go to Nineveh, right? He went to Joppa. 
He went to flee. That means to run away. Run away from what God wanted him to do. Now, now where it says here in verse 3, Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. To flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The word presence means face, like the face of the Lord. In other words, Jonah, can you imagine the Lord saying, Hey, Jonah, go, go to Nineveh. Okay, I'll get up. And he goes the other way. From what God called him to do. From, from being with the Lord, he decided, No, nah, I'm going to go to Joppa. I'm going to run away. So he goes down, it says here in verse 3, to Joppa. Joppa is the current city of Jaffa in Israel today. It's near Tel Aviv. Uh, the times we've been to Israel, our first night is in Tel Aviv. And you, I remember looking out the window and you could see Jaffa. You can see the coast. It's on the coast of the Mediterranean. So there he found this ship. Oh, maybe this is God's will. found the ship. No, it's not. Because you know what? The enemy can make things happen too, right? So he finds this ship. And, and, and look how he says, so he paid the fare. I was thinking, he spent his hard-earned money to run from God, to run away. And so it says here in verse 3, to flee to Tarshish. So he got on this boat. He went down into to go with them to Tarshish. Where is that? Well, it's over today in the area of Spain. It's believed to be there. It's as far west you can go in the ancient world. The Lord said, hey, arise, go to Nineveh. Verse 3 says, but Jonah, in contrast to what God wanted to, he went the other way. Listen, he was supposed to go east, he went west. He sent a message to the Lord, didn't he? He sent a message to the Lord. Take a look at this map. Hopefully it came out. But this will give you a, a perspective on this. You see Joppa kind of in the middle there? Nineveh is 550 miles away to the east. Look at where Tarshish is. What does that say? 2,500 miles. So do you understand? Nineveh, that's where he's supposed to go. No, he ran away and found a ship where? To the farthest place he can get to. He found a ticket that would bring him to the farthest area, and that's Tarshish. You can see now the extent of Jonah's disobedience. If you didn't understand that now, understand that today. He was disobedient. He was defiant. So the message from Jonah to the Lord is what? When he ran away, was a disobedient. You know what? No, Lord. No, Lord. I'm not doing it. No, Lord, I'm not going to do it. No, Lord, no, no. You can see the extent of his disobedience here. Remember um, what oxymorons are, right? There's, it's two contrasting words that you put together to mean something. For example, like an oxymoron is jumbo shrimp. Yeah, how does that, that go together, right? How about this? <clears throat> I'm going on a working vacation. That doesn't make sense, right? But we understand what it is. How about we're alone together? You're alone and you're together? Wait, wait. Or how about virtual reality, right? Apple's about to come out with some goggles. Or, or hey, you see a sign on the road. Hey, over here we get clean dirt. Yeah? I always think about the song, right? Sounds of silence. What does that sound like? You know, right? Right? Well, there's one oxymoron that should never be said, that should never be part of us as believers. And you know what that is? No, Lord. No, Lord. But that's what Jonah said. That's what Jonah did. Jonah showed it in getting on this ship, going, heading toward Tarshish, heading the direct, exact opposite way of what he should be doing and going to. Listen, if the Lord tells us to do something, we've got to remember it's not multiple choice here, right? It's not like ABC. Well, no, we can't say no, Lord. Not at all. So here's Jonah. Do you see why he's the prodigal prophet? He's the prodigal prophet. But, but when we look into this, we've got to ask, the big question is, why did he run? 
I mean, he's supposed to be God's prophet. Why did he run away? Why did, why did he go to so much uh, uh, paying that money, go to that extent to go directly the opposite way? Why did Jonah run? Now, let's think about this for a moment. God is supposed to bring judgment to Nineveh. You know what? Jonah liked that part. Jonah liked that, that God's going to judge the evil Assyrians. I mean, they were the enemy of Israel. I'm sure in his patriotism, he's like, yeah, Lord, let's get them. Wait, just warn? Wait, I'm not sure about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe who knows, in Jonah's life, perhaps this, the evil enemy Assyrians, maybe they killed, they murdered, maybe someone in his family, a loved one, his parents. We don't know. But maybe something happened to create that animosity and hostility inside of him. He, <clears throat> he liked the judgment part. But when God saying, well, go there, warn them, let them know. Jonah didn't like that because he wanted them to be destroyed. He wanted vengeance. He did not want what? Mercy. He didn't want mercy. And you know what? Jonah knows God's character. God is giving Nineveh a chance. God, you, you always do that. And what if they were to respond? What if they were to repent? You know what God will do? He'll be merciful and gracious, right? He'll give them a chance. Because he knows God's heart and compassion. So why did Jonah run? <clears throat> well, Jonah did not want to give any remote chance for Nineveh to be saved. Because he knows God's heart he knows god's grace the message from jonah when he ran away was i don't want to give Nineveh a chance no way no way no way i'm gonna do that turn again to the right in the book of jonah maybe a page look at jonah chapter 4 verse 2 and this is where we understand jonah's heart jonah chapter 4 verse 2 it says and he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is, this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? Now he's referring back to chapter 1 where we're at right now. He says, That is why I made haste to flee. Where? To Tarshish. For I know that you are what? A gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. That means destroying Nineveh. That's Jonah. This is him. Jonah is, is like, no, I'm running away. I don't want to give Nineveh a chance. I hate those guys. I'm angry at those guys. I don't want that at all. You know, as we're here looking at uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, um, this is actually our theme verse. Every book that we study, I give you a verse, which is its theme. And this is verse 2. Uh, how God is gracious and merciful. And our theme for the book of Jonah is this. God's grace and mercy toward wayward hearts. That's what Jonah is about. This is what the book is about. It's not so much about Jonah returning. It's not so much about uh, him being swallowed right, by this huge animal. No, it's about God's grace and mercy toward wayward hearts. And we see this already with Nineveh. We see this already with Nineveh. And God will have it toward Jonah also. So that's our theme. God's grace and mercy toward wayward hearts. God's grace and mercy toward wayward hearts. So now you see why. The message for Jonah when he ran away was, I don't want to give Nineveh a chance. No way. No, Lord. I'm not doing it. I read about a five-year-old girl making trouble for her mom all day long. Finally, the mom had enough, said, Jenny, go sit in a corner and do not get up until I tell you. Well, the little girl went to the corner and sat down, and she was mumbling. I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Well, Jonah's been standing up on the inside for a while now. But now it's coming out on the outside. You know what? He'll listen to God's plan. Well, if God wants to do what he wants to do, right? When God does what I think is right, okay, God, I'll do that. 
Maybe we're like that. We call it what? Selective listening, right? <laughs> we just will hear what we want to hear and everything else we reject. Oh, no, I can't hear you, you know, kind of thing. We may sing. We may pray and say, God, have your own way. God, I surrender to you. But when it comes to this, not that. But Lord, no, no, no. If it's this, okay, but not that. When it comes to people in your life, when it comes to people maybe who've hurt you, when it comes to someone who through circumstances they manipulated, they, 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 they harmed you in some way or another. Maybe it was financially. Maybe it, it, it was life-wise or something. That's hard, right? It's hard to say, God bless them. No, Lord. Judge them. Bring justice. But who are we to even say that? I think about this. <clears throat> you know, God has given me so much mercy and grace. I should be able to do the same. When God gives mercy to someone who you count maybe as your enemy, how do we react? Are we like Jonah? No, forget it. God, I know you tell me to love our enemies, but no way. And when something happens to, the, to them, do we rejoice? Yeah, he got his. You know what Proverbs 24, 17 says? Don't rejoice. Don't gloat. In other words, when your enemy fails, let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. That's not our heart. That's not our, our, our kuleana. That's not our responsibility. That's God's. We are, what does he call us to do? We are to obey him to what? Love. Forgive. Give grace. Give mercy. I always try and tell myself when, because we get caught up in the motions, right? We get caught up in what, the crime. We get caught up in what has happened and we play it in our hearts and our minds and we can get angry and hurt and bitter. But I always tell myself, God, I've done worse to you. I've, I've done the same. I've done it over and over to you. Yet you give me mercy. You give me that daily grace to, to be able to live. You strengthen me. Even when I'm failing you, you're still there. May the Lord give us eyes to see what he sees especially with those quote-unquote enemies, because you know what? They need to be saved too, right? They need Jesus too. They need God working in their life. Uh, maybe they're a believer yet. Something's going on. We need to have that kind of heart and compassion. If not, then you know what? Our hearts are heading the wrong way. All right, <clears throat> so we see number one, the message from the Lord. Number two, the message from Jonah. And number three now, the message of the storm. We're going to cover verse 4 through 16, our, our <clears throat> biggest section for this morning. The message of the storm. First of all, let's take a look at verse 4 through 6. It says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So it says here in verse 4, but the Lord. We saw in verse 3, but Jonah went against the Lord. Well, but the Lord, he responded to Jonah running away. And what did the Lord do? Well, he brought about this great wind. It was a mighty tempest or storm upon the sea. So the, the wind became the storm, and the storm generated these waves to the point that it threatened the ship. It was going to break the ship up. 
It was so bad that even seasoned mariners were so afraid for their lives. It was really, really bad. These guys knew they're not going to make it. And so what they do, well, we read here that they cried out, each cried out to his God. Well, that's really bad, right? I mean, we see this, you know, on TV, right? If you watch the news, when it's really bad, the newscasters, the reporters say, pray for this and this, pray for that. I always think, well, pray to who? Oh, pray to your God, right? You know, kind of thing. That's what they're saying. Well, that's what these guys are doing. They're, they're appealing to whatever God's idols they believe in. They're appealing, oh, this is how bad it really was. And it's so bad that they started to throw cargo, precious cargo, probably what they were paid for in carrying their shipping, this cargo, and they're throwing it off. All their money, all their livelihood, because they knew they were going to die. The storm was so bad. Well, come to find out, the captain goes down, and in, in the inside part of the ship, there's Jonah, and what's he doing? He's fast asleep. In the middle of all this turmoil, in the middle of this, the captain, you could tell he's kind of upset. And he goes, what do you mean, you sleeper? What, what are you doing? We're going to die. Get up here. Get up and you pray to, to your God. Perhaps it's your God who's going to help us here. So we, we, we got to think a few things here. First of all, I think it should have convicted Jonah that the captain's saying, what, what are you doing sleeping? You should be praying. I'm sure that was saying something. Here's an unbeliever, unbelieving captain saying, how come you're not praying? Oh, that, that would get my heart. How can Jonah, though, be asleep? Here's another thing. In this life-threatening storm. How can it be so numb to all the turmoil and everything that's going on? Well, you know how? When you move away from God, you don't care about anything or anybody. That's what happens. This is a picture of When you run from God, you only think about who? Yourself. Me. That's all you care about. Nobody else. It's like those who into extreme substance abuse, right? They can just pass out anywhere, right? Pass out while they're driving. Put other people in danger, and that's what's going on in here, right? Uh, here's Jonah. He's asleep to the danger. It just shows you what happens when, when you run away from God and when you just get all into your sin and Jonah's sin was running away from his mission. Jonah didn't care. He didn't care how it was affecting others. He put others in jeopardy with this storm. You know what Jonah's name means? It means dove. But there's no peace here. Why? Because he ran away from God. This is what sin does, you guys. Listen, this is a picture of spiritually being asleep, of spiritual coma, we could say. When you get into sin like this, you desensitize yourself to the danger that you're in. You've checked out spiritually. You don't care about yourself, others. You, you just all into doing what you want to do. And when you're into sin that much and you run away, you know what? You're in jeopardy. You're in jeopardy. D.L. Moody said this, disobedience always leads us into troubled waters. I like that. Remember that in this story of Jonah. It leads us into troubled waters. And it's not just spiritually, it's physically, it's literally. Verse 7, <clears throat> and they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? Where is your country, and what people are you? Verse 9, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord and a God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So in this section, verses 7 through 10, we read that in desperation, these guys, they cast lots, trying to figure out, okay, something's going on here. It's someone's fault. 
this is why uh, fate, destiny, or, you know, this is happening to us. And they cast lots, and God revealed the problem child was who? Jonah. It was Jonah. It's kind of like Achan, right, was exposed in Joshua 7, and he had caused the defeat at Ai when Joshua and Israel were going to to conquer the land, the promised land. Same thing. God can uh, use certain things to expose what's going on. And so God exposed Jonah. And so they're like, what? It's you? So look at the questions they're asking. I think God is using it to try and convict his heart here. They said to him, tell us on whose... uh, um, uh, whose account this evil has come upon us. And at the end of verse 10, we know that he said, well, it's me. But look what they ask. What is your occupation? Can you see Joan like, um, uh, I'm a prophet of God. What? <laughs> and you're, you're the reason for this storm? What? And where do you come from? Uh, I came from Israel, but I'm supposed to go the other way. Right? All these, all these things, right? What is your country? Of what people are you? And so finally, I think he answered, well, I'm a Hebrew. I'm an Israelite. And you know what? I, I worship the God of heaven, the true living God. He made the sea. He made the dry land. Yeah, that's me guilty, you know. What? And it says later, right, in verse 10 that he tells him, I'm running away from God. They're like, what? Crazy. What? They feared even more what was going on. <clears throat> Can you see what's happening here with the storm, with the question? Can you see the Lord is trying to get, jo- get to Jonah's hard heart? He's trying to get through here. He's trying not just the storm, but, but the exposure of, of, of he's the problem. And then even with the questions. Verse 3 says, but Jonah... But here we see in verse 4, but the Lord. Who brought this storm? The Lord did. says here in verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. God is trying to reach Jonah here with the storm, the questions, with the lot pointing to him that he's the problem here. God in his love is, you know what? disciplining Jonah. Listen to Hebrews 12, 6. It says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. Listen, God loves Jonah. He's not mad at him. He's not angry. He loves him so much. He goes after him. He sends a storm trying to reach him. You know what? He's not going to let Jonah go. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. It got worse. Verse 12, he said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. I think this is crazy. Jonah knows the problem. It's him. Jonah knows he's running from God. That's why the storm comes. Jonah, rather than repenting to the Lord, said, just Throw me in the water. I don't care. I'll just take whatever I got to take, and I'm still determined not to go back. Isn't that crazy? I think I, and this is how hard headed he was. Verse 13 Nevertheless, the men rolled hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. It got even more worse. Look, these men cared for Jonah more than Jonah cared for them. I would have just jumped into the water, right? If you really cared for the guys. But they didn't want to do that. But it got worse. Therefore, verse 14, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. Uh, uh, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased. So they're like, okay, God, it's not our fault. We're going to throw him in because he said so, but we know this, what he said, and, and it's just getting worse. Lord, forgive us for this. And so... They threw Jonah, look at verse 
15, so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, verse 16, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Can you imagine this? They pick up Jonah, whee, whee, and as soon as he hits the water, I mean, this is what I see, as soon as he hits the water, this raging sea goes perfectly flat, glassy, the wind stops. It's all quiet. Can you imagine that? The only thing maybe you, you, you see that even indicated there was a storm was maybe some of the sails going, ear, 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 you know. But can you imagine? This is like, whoa. And so you, you can see the raging sea seats. It's raging. And the sailors, seeing that, feared exceedingly. And others, their jaw just dropped down. They, they're like, whoa, they're in awe in all of this. And so what they do, what could they do? <laughs> they gave the true and living God sacrifices and made a vow to follow him. You know, it's like when Jesus calmed the storm, the Lord powerfully showed himself, right? When he stilled the storm. That's what's going on here. God is showing himself. God is showing, he is the true and living God. What Jonah said was true, that, oh, I worship the true and living God. I ran away from him, but throw me, throw me in the, the, the ocean and everything will be fine. He'll take care of it. Psalm 89, 9 says, the, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. That's talking about our powerful God. The word is omnipotent. Omnipotent God. He is all Powerful. So the message from the storm, the Lord is powerfully trying to get your attention. That's the message. He's trying to get Jonah's attention. The Lord is powerfully trying to get Jonah's attention. And that's what storms do, you guys. Certainly it got the sailors' attention, right? And it should gotten Jonah's attention. You know, on our trip, I know we're going long, just a little bit more. I know the other guys went short, so I have a little credit here. But anyway, <laughs> on our trip, um, we were upgraded to this SUV because of some issues. But anyway, so we got this fancy SUV, and it's a 2023. And um, the crazy thing, and maybe you guys have this on your new cars, but <clears throat> they have these proximity sensors, on a car, right? And so when you get too close to an object, you know what happens? Your seat vibrates. At first I was like, whoa, what's that? So like if you're driving and there's a car on your left and your blind spot, your seat, your, the left side of your seat will vibrate. If there's a, a car coming up on the right side in your blind spot, the right side of your seat will vibrate. If you're backing in to park in a parking star and you're getting close to that tree I saw in the, the, the rear view uh, camera, and you get too close, your seat's like going, uh, uh, stop, stop, stop. It's these proximity sensors. And even, I guess they have it where they, the, the sensor can sense if, a, if you're gonna get car, a car is coming straight head on, it's going to you know, and your whole seat just vibrates. At first, it scared me, like, ooh, ooh, what's going on with this car, you know, kind of thing. But you know why they do that? It's to get your attention. And that's what God is doing here. He sovereignly orchestrates the storm to get Jonah's attention. And maybe you're in a storm because God wants to get your attention. We got to wake up to God's message. You know, many times just the natural consequences of sin, God will allow that to go to get our attention. But do we recognize that? Do we recognize what's going on? That it's the Lord trying to wake us up. We're asleep in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the storm that's going on, thinking, ah, whatever, I'm okay. But the storm comes and shakes the boat. And finally, someone comes and shakes Jonah awake and, and, and pointedly says some things to what? Get his attention. The other day, I was reading how Jesus once confronted the Pharisees in Matthew 16, 2 and 3, saying, hey, you know the saying. You guys follow this. Red sky at night, right? Means fair weather tomorrow. But red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. And then he said, you guys know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky. 
And he said, but you do not know how to interpret the signs of the times. How about you? Can you interpret the signs of the times that you're living in? Jesus is saying, look, you can't even see that the Messiah is here. God is telling Jonah, look, the storm is here because of you. And you know what? You need, you need to wake up. Is your own stubbornness making you blind? Listen, there's no peace until you cast your sin into the water. Until you get rid of it. Then the storm. You got to cast. The storm will come. You got to cast out the sin. All right, we better finish up here. We learn Jonah's stubbornness is head, making him head the wrong way. We see the message from the Lord, uh, the message from Jonah, message of the storm. One more, number four, the message of the fish. And our last verse here is verse 17, Jonah 1, 17, the message of the fish. It reads here, verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was there in the valley of the fish three days and three nights. Well, here it is. This is it. This is when Jonah gets swallowed by this great fish. Great means it's big enough to swallow Jonah. Notice it says fish. Now, some say, well, it's not a whale because it says fish here. Uh, I read all kinds of different things. Some people say that. Some people say, well, the Hebrew actually is saying it could be a fish or a mammal. Uh, Someone said that, well, in ancient times there was no classification. So, how, you can study it however you want to look at it. Could it have been a giant fish or could it have been a, a, a whale? We know a whale shark, right? Not a mammal, a fish. Uh, can be like 46 feet long with a mouth that will open 6 feet wide. Easily swallow a person. A sperm whale, 67 feet, almost 70 feet. They found giant squid 5 feet in diameter inside its stomach. So to me... Whatever it is, a big fish, whale, however you want to look at it, that's no problem. There's creatures out there today that are that big that can swallow a person whole. But let me tell you what the miracle is. The miracle is that first it came, and secondly, that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In other words, he survived. He came out of the fish. We're going to see that in the next chapter. God uh, 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 kept him alive, or he came out alive later. You know, Jesus refers to Jonah as a picture of his death and resurrection, didn't he? So take notice. It says, the Lord appointed or arranged this fish. So it wasn't to digest him, but you know what? To stop him from going Further, You see, the storm wasn't enough. Jonah still had not hit what we call bottom. <laughs> bottom. So the message from the fish, and this is our last point. The, the message from the fish is this. The Lord will bring what's needed to stop you from going the wrong way. That's the, the message of the fish. Because that finally gets him to repent. And we're going to see that in the next chapter. So the message from the fish is the Lord will bring what's needed to stop you from going the wrong way. In February 1891, the whaling ship Star of the East in the area of the Falkland Islands spotted a large sperm whale. Two boats were launched to to get that whale. In a short time, they harpooned the whale, but one of the boats was overturned by the lash of its tail. One man drowned, but the other person, James Bartley, disappeared. Later, when the whale was finally taken up on deck and they were cutting into the blubber, they noticed something in the stomach of the whale. And lo and behold, it's their missing sailor. The unconscious, he was unconscious, um, but he was alive. And three weeks later, he had recovered fully. James Bartley. Now, that's a miracle. I would say that he's still alive. I don't know if he became a Christian after that, but I'll tell you, I would, right? But see, God knows what it takes to get to Jonah's hard heart, and so it is with you. Have you hit bottom? What's it going to take? How big does that fish got to be? God is sending you a message, and we should see this message. The boat is going in the wrong direction. The storm is because of you. You're pointed out. Your, Your sins are exposed. Have you hit bottom yet? 
Maybe God has to send that fish. Listen, though, the process for Jonah, it took three days, three nights. There's a process you're going through. God knows what process you need to go through. He knows how long. He knows how deep. The question is, will you submit to that? As we close, look, don't be stubborn like Jonah is. There was no need for him to hit bottom here. There wasn't. Turn around today before you hit bottom. I'll close with this. A tourist now, this is true, drove their 2020 Ford Edge that they're renting straight into Kailua Kona Small Boat Boat Harbor. This was just last May. The driver told the police that I was just following GPS directions. Maybe you saw this. When she turned down the boat ramp, she just said, I thought it was a big puddle. Puddle. Yeah, right. You can't see that. You just blindly like, oh, oh. Uh, I had moments when we were driving on mainland, like, wait, I don't know about this. I had to, you know, redo the GPS. You don't see that? As the car was sinking, a witness was surprised by the driver's slow reaction. They said that she, quote-unquote, took her time grabbing her things. I mean, the whole car went underwater. But you know what I think about? We can be slow to react, too. We can take our time. There's no sense of urgency, but you know, we should be concerned, shouldn't we? We should be concerned. So don't be like Jonah, heading the wrong way. Let's all stand. God, as we close up here, Lord, we, we thank you that you care so much for us, Lord, that you will allow storms, God, to come through, that you will allow our, our, our lives to be turned upside down, God, that you, Jesus, give us mercy and grace and just don't say, that's it, forget it. God, you're loving on us now. May we commit to you right now. May we give you our lives and stop running, but turn around and seek you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name.